Hello, my name is Stephen Dunn, and you're still listening to the Hellens of Christendom podcast, to which you've actually made it to an episode of part of my Montaigne series, named after the French philosopher Michel de Montaigne. Now, these episodes contain brief, critical philosophical analysis on subjects related to my choice, which involve discussions very much similar in structure to the essays of Montaigne. Thank you so much, and enjoy the episode. In the photographs of E.J. Billock in the earlier part of the 20th century, otherwise now notoriously known as the Girls of Storyville, we find a myriad of photographs taken by a young, seemingly ambitious and intriguing photographer capturing women, specifically prostitutes, in their various elements. These photos have invited a plethora of responses. One receptive art critic writes in Ascent, quote, Bullock's prostitutes are beautiful. It is true, they are all beautiful. Beautiful innocently, or tenderly, or wickedly, or joyfully, or obscenely, but all beautiful. There is a consideration, yes, of the historical, social relations women have shared with men over time. I think one fascinating part of that relation is how Western art has typically depicted, portrayed, and understood women. The question of Bullock's photographs raised warranted questions as to whether the photographic act necessarily translates to or is a substitute for a sexual act. Now, there are views which understand these artistic depictions as photosexual configurations, which are necessarily tied to a, quote, hetero-ideology of the gaze. Then it is difficult to see it any other way as the photographer, in this case, Belloc, as the ultimate John, and the subjects of the photographs, as one commentator writes, the whores of his genius vision. However, what interests me is precisely this connection between artistic depiction and lustful intention. Consider the photograph entitled Scherzo de Folia, which, when translated from Italian, means joke madness, which depicts the profile of Virginia Aldoini, the Countess of Castiglione. Taken sometime between 1863 and 1866, the photograph depicts the Countess as hiding a part of her face, which is being obstructed by a picture frame which she is holding over her face and looking at the camera. So there's a hole going through the picture frame to which the Countess is actually looking back at the gaze of the viewer. And she's wearing a kind of tunic or cape to which her left shoulder is exposed, an already controversial move on her part. Now, despite her partially hidden gaze and revealed shoulder, it is almost as if she is saying, I see you looking at me looking at my bare shoulder, but by partially hiding my face from you, I am not giving myself in full to your gaze, and indeed, with my face concealed, are you sure it is really me that you're looking at? Now consider a third instance in the world of art. The French painter Edouard Manet brought to the world his premiere of Olympia in 1865 in Paris, which in essence is the painting of a prostitute lying on a bed being brought flowers from a servant. The controversial aspect of the painting was not so much that she was a prostitute, or even naked, but rather that the painting contained a confrontational gaze from the prostitute upon the viewer. Now, French literature and theater would have understood Olympia as a prostitute or demimonde, which, if you know your Latin, literally means half-world, in reference to the satirical drama of Alexandre Dumas by the same title. Now, elements of her career choice are denoted by several details in the painting. First of all, her name Olympia was a well-known name for prostitutes in the 1860s in France. Her bracelet, her pearl earrings, the black ribbon around her neck, and of course, the presented flowers in the painting, which are perhaps given to her from a client. As one commentator rightly observed about this painting, quote, When our artists give us Venuses, they correct nature. They lie. 
Edouard Manet asked himself, why lie? Why not tell the truth? He introduced us to Olympia, this filet of our time, whom you meet on the sidewalks. Now, my treatment of sex work and the men and women that comprise this industry has never been to become preoccupied with certain mythified or even mystified views which often accompany them. This mythified view of sex workers would, on their terms, be identified by the term stigma. Now, this word, which has always been interesting to me to see its use in these kinds of discourses, because, of course, as some of you may not be aware, stigma is actually a Greek word that refers to a kind of marking or point that is made into something. Now, the plural of stigma is stigmata. So, for those of you who are familiar with the stigmata of Christ, I think it's interesting to conversely see how the mark or stigma of sin permeates sexual relations. But, anyway, to stay relevant, I think it is interesting to approach a treatment of sex work from the vantage point of examining the relationship between art and women. Now, sex work, of course, doesn't often or solely pertain to pictorial depictions or representations of the sex act taking place. Alive and well today exists the phenomena of courtesans, or otherwise known as sugar dating. Courtesan also interestingly comes from the Italian cortigiano, meaning court, with later interaction of English and French, and came to mean prostitute. However, a courtesan originally had connotations of one who was an advisor to the court, or at least was very close to the king and queen in some relational way. Now, Countess of Castiglione was a famous courtesan that I mentioned earlier, who was known for having a controversial affair with Napoleon III in the mid-19th century. Hence, courtesans and sugar dating of this kind pertained to paid sex laborers, if you will, working with higher-ups, that is, economically advantaged clientele. But notice, however, the Scherzo de Folia portrait, that is, the joke madness that I referred to earlier. What intrigues me about this photo is precisely the madness that ensues from an experience of this photo. The somewhat comical, although blasé, gaze of Castiglione suggests that she is really the one in control of the viewing here. What we think has only been partially revealed to us, that is, her shoulder, thus lending us to think that we have been extended a part of her, is really from her perspective a revealing of nothing at all. The hidden gaze suggests that her revealing could actually be from anybody. And I think this was a fascinating realization on Castiglione's part, and one that predates current dispositions and attitudes that underlie pro-sex work arguments. In other words, the sex act as representation can either pertain to two philosophies of the human person. I really am here, or I really am not. Now let's start with the, select, the second philosophy first. When a sex worker participates in producing content which showcases his or herself in sexually explicit ways, let's say a dirty picture, we can, con- we can call this production of content representation. Now representation is simply an image, likeness, or reproduction of something. However, regarding the second philosophy mentioned of I am not really here, there is a sense in which the representation is really a representation, which means that there is no original from which a reproduction could be based. So in other words, behind the representation, there is no authentic identity, which may even be misrepresented because there is nothing fixed beyond the picture itself. Behind the gaze of the subject, there is no I to which the person may refer. Indeed, as Castiglione, I think, is significantly spot on if this this view of the human person is correct, 
the subject could very well be anybody. There is no end in themselves before us when we are when we are viewing a titillating image or provocative film or a private OnlyFans account. There is only a means to the realization of my own gratification, to my lust and corruption, or, in some egregious cases, adultery. Now, the first philosophy, on the other hand, the philosophy of I really am here, is a philosophy which affirms the basic identity and reality of the human person. Human intelligence, or cognition, can actually participate or perceive the way the world actually is. Hence, the human mind's participation or confrontation with things is also a confrontation with things in themselves. That is, the world of ideas, of nature, and the universal. Now, given that human beings through cognition can abstract from concrete instances of our experience, such as chairs, guitars, and lamps, the mental objective content to which these experiences refer, that is, chairs from chairness, lamps from lampness, and so forth, so too can human beings refer to the objective content, to the things in themselves of men and women in their concrete experiences of them. In other words, there really is an intelligible I to which the human mind can refer to in men and women. This I is an end in itself, meant to be pursued, sought, and loved for its own sake. Any inverse movement towards treating that I as means instead of an ends is to commit a moral privation or wrong, given that we are not properly ordering human beings to their appropriate ends as persons as such. Now, to summarize a Christian perspective on these issues, the male-female relation is obfuscated or corrupted or frustrated in the natural order by sin, and hence God's direction to both Adam and Eve. Now, not just Adam, not just Eve. God's direction to both Adam and Eve to understand the world, to have dominion over the earth, and to procreate has been frustrated. Now, women, just like men, can be subject to various kinds of perversion which participate in that further obfuscation or corruption of the natural order by manipulating the kind of dominion God extended to humanity in creation. Hence, sex workers, both men and women, participating in the industry can be seen as promulgating the frustration of the natural order of creation. By inverting the dominion that men and women shared together mutually in paradise, sex workers utilize dominion in opposition and exploitation over one and the other. The conditions that I am highlighting in this treatment pertain more so to sinful disposition rather than to what I think sex work or pornography are as disgusting or smut representations.